Gonzalez swings and he crushes it. Left center field. Warning track walk. Goodbye. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner. A big show planned for you today. We're going to have Dave Chaffin, the WAC Senior Associate Commissioner of Technology and Conference Services, in our second segment. We're going to talk to Dave about all sorts of things. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades around the WAC, and he's also in charge of a conference scheduling, which, uh, given the pandemic we're in, is, is quite a bit of a challenge for the upcoming year. We're also talking to Dr. Jason Booth, the Dixie State University Director of Athletics. Dixie State will be a full member of the Western Athletic Conference in just about a month, so we'll talk to Dr. Booth about what they're doing to get ready for that transition to Division One, And as always, in our first segment, my favorite time of the week, it's Rachel Vigil, our on-air talent and broadcasting coordinator Eric? for the WAC. How you doing, Rach? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Hey, uh, we, we're uh, a day later here uh, doing the show since we had Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully everything went well for, for you and your family this past Memorial Day. Yeah, I was a little bummed I wasn't able to go to the pool. Usually that's like my first stop for Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, all right, just like everyone else, let's hit up the pool. However, I did get to go on a bike ride, which I haven't done, I think, since my freshman year of college. So it was actually a lot of fun. I definitely, hopefully we'll continue to do it for the rest of the summer. But yeah, it was a good weekend. How about yours? Uh, It was very good. I did have a chance to play golf for the first time this year. I went up to uh, the Denver area there and played with my brother and and a good friend of mine and uh, did the social distancing. We actually walked uh, nine holes, which I don't know the last time I I walked uh, on a golf course, but uh, good exercise. Good to be out in in the nice weather and uh, the greens were fantastic. Everything's uh, looking nice. So that was uh, definitely a positive. And speaking of golf, Rachel, I don't know if you had a chance on Sunday to watch the the match two uh, with Peyton Manning, of course, former Denver Broncos quarterback and Tiger Woods against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. One of the few live sporting events we've had on, but uh, I I watched a little bit of it. I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Oh, my gosh. It was so nice. It was rainy that day here in Denver, too. It was rainy there as well. It was so much fun to watch. You know, Peyton is a clown. Yes. And the very, I wish it would have been sunny because I just think that they would have been hysterical the entire time. Once it, like, really started to get in the last couple of holes, I mean, it was downpouring. So I know that's, like, so hard to be walking in, and you're probably already a little chilly and the whole thing, but... They did a great job with it. I loved how they brought in other athletes to be like, hey, okay, we're going to donate if this happens. Right. And just like the way they made the broadcast was, I think, one of the best things we watched all quarantine long. Yeah, and I've watched some other things. I watched some Bundesliga soccer from Germany, and it's so weird to watch that because you're so used to hearing the Vuzavellas and the fans chanting and cheering, and it's so quiet. Whereas in this event, you know, having the mics on, you know, Peyton and Tom Brady and they're ribbing each other. Now, the thing that did uh, annoy me a little bit was the dropouts, which I'm assuming there were swear words. And, (laughs) you know, you have the seven second delay. And the thing is, you know, when you hit that button, you cut out all the audio. So you can't just cut out whatever might have been said and the, the announcers, you know, can keep talking. So that was a little bit annoying, but I understand why that uh, is in place. And the other thing I've watched, I mentioned the, uh, the cornhole uh, <laughs> championships they've been having on. And that, that kind of translates 
but and also the NASCAR, you know, where they have the loud engines and you're kind of used to the fans a little bit there. But with that noise, you kind of need that noise uh, to kind of distract you from the fact that there's no fans there. Yeah, I agree. It, it's just so interesting to see how broadcasts are going to go nowadays. Right. Because I think sometimes, too, they even do pump in a little bit of extra noise. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's it's super interesting just to how all of this is going to transpire now and what it's going to look like and what differences we're going to see too. Yeah, that that'll be very interesting to see. And actually, I'm uh, signed up for a few conferences this week to see how some people are handling uh, some of those issues. So I'll be looking forward to the challenge of of how we're going to be broadcasting here in the upcoming year. Kind of staying with golf here, Rachel. Mike McGilton, former New Mexico State player, he's currently an assistant coach for the Aggies, set a new course record at Red Hot Golf Course in Las Cruces, a 65. Seven under. So congratulations to Mike McGilton. I have to tell you, Rachel, I, I also probably shot a 65, but I only played nine holes uh, on Saturday. Um, I can tell you I probably have never shot that in my entire life, mostly because I've played golf like twice in my entire life. <laughs> but I mean, that's impressive. Knowing the, how that all works is, yeah, I don't even think I could ever do that in my life. <laughs> And then staying with New Mexico State, Russ Bradbird, who's their uh, outstanding analyst for their men's basketball games on TV. Uh, we hope to have him on in the next few weeks. He wrote a very uh, nice article about Jerry Sloan, a longtime Utah Jazz coach who passed away recently, was a longtime Chicago Bull. Russ is from Chicago and grew up watching Jerry Sloan and had a very good article about him on slamonline.com. So I recommend everybody check that out. Jerry Sloan, uh, we, we so in the last dance uh, just a, a week or two ago, uh, Rachel uh, is the longtime coach of the Utah Jazz. Yeah, uh, super sad for the entire Jazz community and for the Sloan family as well um, with that passing. Although Russ did a great job with the article. It was very interesting to look back and kind of see how Sloan grew up and uh, how he had gone off to college and then it was too far away and it was too big of a city. So he came back home and then just kind of how eventually like all led to his time in Chicago. And I also didn't realize that basketball really wasn't shown all that much. You know, they did right. one like primetime game and on Saturdays, but Chicago was always showing their games. So I thought that was really interesting. The article was really great. So Russ did an awesome job with it. Yeah, it is is pretty amazing when you look at how basketball was in the 70s and 80s. I mean, they used to have a thing called tape delay where they wouldn't even show the game live. They would show the games at 11 o'clock after the local news uh, was over. And that's that was the NBA Finals they were doing that for in the 70s. So when you see how far it's come to today where it's it's on you know any, any team you want to watch at any time you can watch live, it's pretty amazing the transition that uh, basketball has done from the 1970s to today. Yeah, it def- I literally can't even imagine if we were like, hey, everybody, uh, you're not going to be able to watch it. You can't have social media. You can't do anything. So just like get rid of it all. We'll watch it, you know, a couple hours later after it's over. <laughs> like People <laughs> yeah. nowadays would not fly for that. Yeah, and even the NCAA tournament was like that in the 80s. Uh, so it's, it is pretty amazing. Also, speaking of uh, college basketball, Trev Queen, a uh, nice story on him on NBCSports.com slash Washington on his uh, NBA prospects and uh, going from being homeless at one point to uh, an NBA draft prospect. 
Yeah, I've talked to Trev a couple of times. Um, he was actually one of our first like Instagram live interviews, right. and Trev is such an awesome human being, and I mean, obviously, a fantastic basketball player. But his outlook on life, I think, is super interesting. And just he has gone through it all. You know, he went to military school, which I asked him, like, if he would ever recommend military school to anyone. And he was like, absolutely not. Like, (laughs) the hardest thing I've ever done. And, you know, coming from a Chris Jans uh, program, that has to be saying something for sure. Because I know Coach Jans definitely puts it to his players. But uh, Trev is just He's such an awesome guy, and I am very, very hopeful for him that something big will happen. I know he's worked extremely hard this entire quarantine and his entire career, too. So it'll be interesting to see the NBA draft in the upcoming week. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see when they'll do that, because obviously the NBA pushed back because of the pandemic. It seems to be some momentum that they'll be uh, potentially starting back up in July uh, in Orlando. Uh, I've still seen Las Vegas as another uh, potential spot for the NBA. But generally speaking, they, they do the NBA draft right after the, the NBA uh, championship ends. I've also seen that they might do free agency uh, prior to the NBA draft this year since they have kind of kicked that idea around as well. So it could be, you know, August, September before the NBA draft happens. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, Trev Queen, uh, you look at the New Mexico State guys I've had the last few years and uh, Jamario Jones, undrafted, but uh, got a chance to play a little bit in the NBA as well as uh, Zach Lofton. And and of course, Pascal Siakam uh, recently uh, was a first round pick, but uh, New Mexico State seems to have a a pretty good reputation uh, developing players for the NBA. Yes, they absolutely do. It's always so much fun to watch that entire team. Although, Eric, I want to go real quick just talking about like the draft. With the MLB draft coming up here in just a couple of days-ish. Yeah, June uh, 10th, little, right? Yeah, so you know, about a week and a half, I want to say. I guess mm-hmm. I should pull out a, calcul- or a calendar. <laughs> uh, but uh, MLB season's not even going to start, and they're already drafting for the next year. You know, that's just so weird to me that yeah. idea is just like could players go play for this season you know what i mean like yeah and i think the major by. difference there rich would be with nba players they generally make the the squad if they're a first round pick not always a uh, pascal of course went to the g league for a year was mvp there and then came back and uh, you know is now an all-star but uh, with with minor league baseball generally speaking those those uh, draft picks would go to a rookie league team or you know single a yeah. Uh, and it would be a couple of years before we'd see him in MLB, and and with those you know minor league teams haven't started up yet either. So um, it'll be interesting to see that what happens with minor league players this year, in addition to the major league players, because there's a number of uh, whack players who are in the minors and would be moving up the the ladder there. And where are they going to play, and what level are they going to play at? So a lot of questions remain. So many questions. I feel like we're never going to get answers. That's what it feels like nowadays, although I know we will. I just have to be patient. (laughs) Worked on patience this quarantine, Eric. That's right. Stories around the whack. Micah Parker, Dr. Micah Parker, the California Baptist Athletic Director, resigned after 11 years and announced he's going to Northwestern College in Iowa to accept a similar position that's an NEIA school. Uh, Micah Parker has been at CBU since they were NEIA, transitioned to Division II, and then the transition to Division I. Want to wish him well. Um, obviously, 
an opening there, Rach, and that, that could be one of the uh, the better AD jobs around the country as they seem to be really headed in an upward direction. Plus, who wouldn't want to go to Riverside, California? That's Beautiful right. weather, <laughs> palm trees, everything. That's a very hot job for sure. It'll be interesting to see who they get in that position. And then Jeff Conroe, the CSU Bakersfield, the top men's basketball assistant the last uh, several years, uh, get to see him a few times in WAG Vegas. He was named head coach at Colorado College, which is uh, not too far from where I live here in Colorado Springs. Conroe was a uh, an alum of CC. So the way their uh, college is, they, they're Division One in two sports and, and men's ice hockey and also women's soccer. And then the rest of their sports are Division Three. So that'll be a little bit of a, a transition for Jeff there as he goes from a Division One school at CSU Bakersfield to Division Three at CC. But I know he was definitely uh, in the market uh, wanting to become a head coach. Yeah, good luck to him too. Obviously, I'm Colorado and be able to go back to your alma mater. That's really cool. And then uh, we saw uh, Grand Canyon uh, recently signing a new women's basketball player who uh, made a name for herself as a track star at the University of Kansas. So we will see uh, Chloe Aiken Atiko uh, coming to GCU to play basketball next year. Yeah, Molly Miller, it's an interesting sign for sure. She looks like she's a complete stud. She ran a 56-51 in the 400-meter run, which is, oh, 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 man, I don't <laughs> even think I, <laughs> that is flat flying. So, I mean, good luck to her, obviously, you know, switching from track to basketball, which will be um, definitely interesting. But, I mean, all in the same, it looks like she played before, so I'm sure she's still got all that, all that skill. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I'm sure Coach Flood would have loved to have her on the uh, on the track team, but uh, I think yeah, right. I think her track eligibility uh, is exhausted, so she could play uh, basketball uh, for another year. The way the the NCAA rules are, so yeah, she hasn't played uh, uh, since high school, but she was all state in Nebraska, and and I'm sure uh, Coach Miller uh, probably has either her or somebody on her staff is familiar with. Uh, how she is as a basketball player. So, uh, again, that'll be uh, something to watch for this uh, this fall and winter. Yeah, I just saw that she holds the career and single-season record for points at her high school. So, obviously, she was a good basketball player back yeah. in the day. Yeah, tremendous athlete. Uh, whack in the day this past week, uh, we had an episode about the past 10 years of the Whack Baseball Tournament, which would have been going on in Mesa, Arizona this past week. And four players who won a WAC tournament championships, Rachel, that are, are doing pretty well at the major league level. Aaron Judge uh, played at Fresno State 2012 when they won, uh, of course, with the New York Yankees, big-time all-star, one of the faces of MLB right now. And his teammate Jordan Luplo, who at the time was a freshman at Fresno State, third baseman, was MVP of the tournament that year. He now plays for the Cleveland Indians. Reese Hoskins, who we had a chance to visit with a year or two ago, Rach, uh, when the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the Colorado Rockies. He played at Sacramento State, was the WAC Player of the Year. He uh, uh, won a WAC Tournament Championship in 2014. And then Colton Wong, who played at Hawaii uh, 2010, which was the first year uh, we were at the Ho-Ho Cam Stadium in Mesa, Arizona. Colton Wong was the MVP of that tournament as Hawaii won the WAC championship. So some really good players have come through the WAC the past 10 years when you look at it. 
Yeah, big names in there. It'll be interesting, too, to just see, you know, the next 10 years, what names we add into that list. So, I mean, I love seeing all of those names. It's so, like, entertaining to me. And to look back at stats from all of those guys and then to see where they are now, I love that. Yeah, and, of course, we expect uh, Nick Gonzalez to be uh, that type of player, hopefully, as he uh, moves along. And in D1Baseball.com, projected what their field of 64 would have been had the NCAA tournament started this week as it would have. And they uh, predicted that New Mexico State would have won the WAC and then would have been a number three seed in the Lubbock region with Texas Tech being number one, Dallas Baptist number two, and Navy number four. So they they gave a little uh, shout out to the Aggies. They're getting a number three seed. Yeah. It always is interesting to me. I feel like it, the our baseball tournament never really goes how I planned. No, that's uh, true. <laughs> ne- like, never happens. So I feel like I can never put a bet on who would have won. But uh, New Mexico State definitely had a great shot at it, for sure, with Nick Gonzalez. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have predicted last year that Sacramento State would lose first game, come back to win six games in a row, and a lot of them in dramatic fashion and knock out all five other teams in the tournament. That's never been done before. And that was uh, the, the good luck plant. Remember we had the good luck plant. Uh, yes. that, was, that was possibly the reason that Sacramento state went on to win the tournament and uh, go to the NCAAs last year. Yes. I remember that. I don't remember the player's mom's name, but I just remember being able to hold it. And she told me the whole story behind it. And you know, it must have worked because you're right. They did lo- lost the first um, game and then they went on to win the entire thing. So uh, Reggie Christensen does an excellent job over there at Sac State. But that good luck plant, man, <laughs> that thing works. I need to bring it into my life a little bit more. I yeah. Start growing it. Yeah, we need to get uh, see what that is. Maybe put them in the office, get some good luck going for the whack. <laughs> uh, another article on D1Baseball.com from this past week, a proposal from the uh, from Committee of Five Uh, Power five coaches, there's uh, five of them, Uh, but they also were talking with some uh, coaches from some other conferences, including Reggie Christensen, who you just mentioned, uh, to shift the baseball season uh, to a end of March to end of July model starting in 2022. Uh, On the surface, Rachel, sounds like a good idea in terms of, you know, baseball is always difficult to play, especially, you know, they start practice in January, games in February. And if you're in a colder weather climate or a northern climate, it can be very difficult to get games in. And obviously, if you move to a later schedule, you're going to be able to get more games in. But there's a whole host of other issues that would pop up if they did wind up going that route. Yeah, reading this article was super interesting. I recommend anybody that has just a few minutes to read it. You're right, because everything they say makes sense. However, there are just like a ton of other things that I don't know how they would work it out, you know, with no students being on campus. or If you go to Arizona when it's 127 degrees outside, is that even worse than playing in the cold? Uh, There's just a bunch of different things that I find are really interesting. Um, And to have Reggie Christensen be on that, I would love to sit down and talk to him and kind of see, you know, that idea in their head and how they're looking at that. Right. And that's the biggest hurdle, I think, is if you're a senior and you're graduating in May and then, then potentially playing all the way till the middle of July. We we mentioned the 
MLB baseball draft usually being in early to mid-June. What happens to those players who get drafted, assuming, you know, we're not in a pandemic and they can go play minor league baseball? Do they leave their teams and go play minor league baseball? And then all of a sudden your team looks very different uh, in May than it would in July, you know, if you lose some of your star players on the team. So there's a whole whole t- a bunch of things that could, you know, un- unintended consequences, I guess, is the, the way to put that. But Definitely an interesting article, an interesting way to, to think about it. And then also, how would that impact other spring sports? Because if you're softball, they have the same issues, you know, where they start practice in January and start games in February and have the same weather issues that baseball does. So, you know, would that become a Title IX issue then if uh, baseball was different than softball in terms of the dates that they compete? Or what about golf? What about tennis? You know, all kinds of things to think about there. Yeah, definitely. It, it's super duper interesting. Uh, again, just like, the idea behind it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I could definitely see it. But then, like, the logistics, you just never know. And, again, with softball, would they want to move it? I, yeah, there's just a lot of the walk that would go into it for sure. And especially now in the pandemic that we're in, I don't know if they're exactly like, okay, let's put this number one priority over figuring out the rest of the stuff we have to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot to figure out. And uh, Whack All Access this past week, uh, your Instagram Live with Chris Sissel, the new women's soccer coach at Grand Canyon University. Of course, an old friend of ours from his days at Kansas City and always a great interview, always very talkative. I know he was a little late on the call uh, this time, Rach, but uh, he's the type of guy you could talk to for uh, 45 minutes to an hour, I guess. You could talk to him forever. Coach (laughs) Sissel is one of the best human beings, uh, you know, so open, so honest, um, always fun technology always provides an issue i think it might have been on my part he tried to log on on his computer i should have told him the phone definitely work, just works better uh lots of things but uh coach was great yeah i think it was interesting you know the big question is why did he take the job at gcu and not stay in kansas city uh with all of his players you know he's been there for a long time pretty much his entire coaching career so it was interesting to see why he decided it was the time to go and move on. You know, his kids all heading off to college. They're all playing um, sports now. One of his sons is a sports director, I want to say. So just interesting, you know, they're kind of empty nesters at this point, but it actually had to do with his dad saying that um, his dad passed away last year and he wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. And it was one of those things that he never had the opportunity to do before he passed. And, you know, this job came up and it was kind of just a sign for Coach Sissel and his wife. And so they ended up taking the job and uh, their house in Kansas City is going to be sold officially on in July. So everything's just kind of moving forward for them. So I'm excited to have Coach Sissel staying in the whack. And obviously, uh, Lindsey Prokop is coming with him. I think that was another interesting thing you know big names in Kansas City and we were wondering if some of them were going to come over but coach said you know that was not really one of his top priorities he didn't want to take anybody away from the Kansas City area um so but I'm excited to see Lindsay Prokop she did excellent things in her first year so I'm excited to see the rest of her career as well yeah and and uh I said Instagram Live. That was actually on Twitter Live, uh, so you can go back and watch that. Uh, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Coach Sissel was very careful about, you know, he was not actively recruiting uh, players from KC to come to GCU, but if they expressed interest, you know, it's the same as, you know, when other athletes transfer uh, in, in terms of 
they go into the portal and all that good stuff. So, um, guests for this week, uh, do you have anybody lined up? You got some ideas? Um, had a couple ideas waiting. Um, with the holiday, I have not heard back sure. from a few people. So, still waiting. Um, I won't give anything away yet because just we never know what's going to happen with people's schedules. But we should have a guest for this upcoming week. Maybe Friday, though. Not sure with the holiday how people's schedules are lining up. I know a lot of things are starting to slowly come back into people's schedules. So we'll see. Hopefully we do get a guest, though, for this week. Great. And actually, uh, next week on the WAC podcast, I, I just uh, lined up a, a guest uh, right before this episode began. We're going to have Violet Palmer, who is the WAC Women's Basketball Coordinator of Officials. She was the first female NBA uh, basketball referee. So she has a great story. I've talked to her before and we look forward to having her on the WAC podcast next week. Uh, we took a break this week from WAC Top Plays uh, with the holiday starting back up again. Our summertime edition of WAC Top Plays uh, begin on Monday. And what we're going to do is we're going to do it school by school and we'll take the top four plays as voted on by the fans during the year. And then we'll have a revote. And we'll include Instagram on this. So we'll have uh, like the top play versus their fourth play and then the second play versus the third play. And then on Tuesday, we'll have a championship. So uh, the first one we're going to do, Rachel, is a California Baptist University. And uh, they had some great plays. I I was looking at the voting and I was uh, maybe a little surprised that the basketball didn't rate a little bit higher. uh, But definitely their their soccer, uh, the fans got out and voted in droves for some of their men's and women's soccer plays. Yeah, that's actually surprising to me that basketball wasn't a little higher up there. Uh, granted, though, we love to see the other sports getting a lot of attention, too. So that makes me happy on both sides. I'm excited for these contests, though. They're, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be school versus school eventually. And, you know, just to see the fans come out and defend their schools, it's, it's going to be fun. Awesome, Rachel. Well, want to thank you for uh, taking some time out, as, as you do. And uh, hope you have a, a good week and uh, stay happy and healthy. Yes, you as well, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that is Rachel V. Hill. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Dave Chaffin, the WAC Senior Associate Commissioner for Technology and Creative Services. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner, reminding you, Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. And joining us now on the WAC Podcast is Dave Chaffin, the WAC Senior Associate Commissioner of Technology and Conference Services. Dave, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Eric. I appreciate you having me on this week. Yeah, Dave, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, wanted to, to chat with you. You wear a lot of different hats around the WAC. You've been around the conference for a long time. Uh, first off, uh, how are you doing dur- during this quarantine? And I know you have uh, kids of high school age. I believe your son was going to graduate from high school uh, this year. Uh, how uh, has the uh, pandemic affected things there? Well, you know, overall, I guess we can't really complain too much. As, you know, we've stayed safe and healthy. Right. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing. But as you mentioned, yeah, we have two kids in high school. Um, they, did, they did a pretty good job with the, the online schooling uh, the past several weeks. 
And as you mentioned, uh, my son Tyler was a senior, uh, so it was a little disappointing that you know his prom and graduation were canceled. Uh, he also celebrated his 18th birthday oh, earlier wow. this month. Um, but again, I think they handled it pretty well, and you know now we're just waiting to see what the start of next school, the next school year will be like for you know both my kids. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, one of the things so hard to plan for when you don't know when things are going to start, and and you know what. Might might change plans depending on when and where they might start. Uh, talking with Dave Chaffin, who is our administrator for baseball in the Western Athletic Conference. You've been in the league uh, for 25 years, and we would have been in Mesa this past week. Always a highlight of the year, Dave. I know I always look forward to it because it's such a great facility, and, and the folks at Ho-Ho Camp Stadium do such a great job making it a really special tournament for both the student-athletes and coaches. Yeah, you mentioned we play play that tournament at Hoho Cam Stadium. Uh, it's the spring training home for the Oakland A's, and uh, we've been there about ten years. Uh, the staff there has been absolutely great to work with, uh, you know, over the years, and they do everything they can to make us welcome. Uh, you know, as a spring training facility, they have great uh, facilities with large clubhouses for our teams. Uh, roomy press box with several radio and TV booths, which is, you know, good for you and, and <laughs> yeah, we like uh, that. teams that come in and do some radio. And they've got a state-of-the-art video board out in the outfield that uh, has been great. Uh, I think they've had that about five years now. Um, it does get a bit warm uh, that time of the year. Yep. Uh, but actually, I think, you know, the last couple of seasons we've been kind of lucky. And if I remember right, I don't even think we broke 90 until uh, maybe the last day or two. Uh, I actually looked it up last week, and it was around 100 most of the tournament last week, so I guess we got a little lucky there. But, uh, you know, even when it's hot, uh, they they hook us up with swamp coolers in the dugouts. And uh, like I said, that press box is great, air-conditioned. So it's usually not too bad except for those afternoon games. Well, the MLB draft coming up uh, June 10th, and you've been around WAC baseball for a long time. Actually, this past week, I did my WAC in the day on the last 10 years of the WAC tournament at Ho-Ho Camp Stadium, and it's uh, historically been one of the better sports in the conference. Uh, who, are, who are some players that uh, you've been able to, to see in WAC baseball over the years? Well, as you mentioned, I've, I've been here for 25 years. I've seen four teams go to the College World Series uh, two of them won national championships uh, with Rice and Fresno State. Um, so, you know, I, I go all the way back to the mid-90s. You know, probably the best player I remember is Lance Berkman, uh, played at Rice. Um, you know, won a World Series with St. Louis. Um, you know, as, but as well, their their pitching staff, when, the, when Rice did win the national championship, had uh, some great players. Um, uh, Philip Humber uh, played with the White Sox and pitched a perfect game. Um, he was a member of that, I think it was 2003, that national championship team at Rice. You know, more recently, um, you know, Aaron Judge, uh, freshman of the year at Fresno State, um, kind of really didn't remember too much about him. All of a sudden he becomes rookie <laughs> of the year for the Yankees, you know, a few years ago. Um, uh you know, and I guess more recently, Nick Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, with uh, his season being canceled, you know, was off to that great start. Um, but he was he was our freshman of the year a couple of years ago at, from New Mexico State. You know, and just just a reminder to everybody, you know, the WAC has always had, had good baseball. You know, 
this before my time, but as a reminder, Reggie Jackson played at Arizona State. Right. Uh, Tony Gwynn from San Diego State. So, you know, a lot of great players have come through the WAC. Yeah, and that WAC in the day I did uh, last week, that Fresno State team with Aaron Judge did win the WAC tournament that year, I believe it was 2012. And uh, Jordan Luplo was also on that team, was MVP of the tournament. And uh, Jordan's now playing for the Cleveland Indians. So uh, definitely a great uh, lineage of baseball in the Western Athletic Conference. Dave, uh, you're also the sport administrator for swimming and diving. And back in February, it was uh, interesting times at the meet in Houston. There was a water main break. Wasn't sure, you know, exactly how how that would affect the championships, but somehow Dave uh, you're you, you being the administrator those uh, those championships actually did did manage to happen yeah you know that that was probably the craziest championship I had you know I ever had to deal with in in my 25 years except then two two weeks later we <laughs> yeah. had the basketball tournament canceled due to covid-19 so right. um but but that championship as you mentioned there was a a water main break um uh, that burst due to a construction accident uh, in the Houston area. Uh, it caused nearly 2 million people to lose water. Uh, campus had to be closed uh, that afternoon. The university shut down, uh, and they shut down the pool, and, and we were unable to complete the finals uh, for those events that, that Thursday night. Uh, I had to I had to deal several hours with uh with our coaches and, and the pool to try and, you know, salvage uh, that championship. And, uh, you know, proud of our coaches. We agreed to, to score the prelims as finals on Thursday. And uh, then we were allowed to run our Friday and Saturday events um, over a four or five hour window. And, uh, you know, we, we actually scrapped the prelim final format and just did it as time finals. Uh, during those few hours, um, and it was there were safety concerns for both the teams and fans, uh, and that we didn't have fresh water for both drinking and for restroom facilities. Uh, so that's why they had to reduce the hours that were there. But you know, we got we got it done, and we got a championship completed, and you know, crowned Northern Arizona on the women's side and Air Force on the men's side. So got through it, and I guess sort of prepared us for two weeks later. Yeah, no, no kidding, and it. I believe Dave. Uh, so, so no fans were allowed once once the water, just because the restrooms, those type of things were closed. Yeah, on that Friday, uh, they just you know didn't want to let the fans in that day. Uh, but on on Saturday, on the last day of our championship, we got a lot of more a uh, lot more porta potties brought in, so we were able to get the fans in on that Saturday. So, you know, it actually didn't turn out too bad. Talking with Dave Chaffin, the WAC Senior Associate Commissioner of Technology and Conference Services. Dave, you also oversee golf, uh, both men's and women's golf and men's soccer conference scheduling. Also on your resume, uh, in terms of conference scheduling, Dave, with so much being up in the air, how, how has it been? Are you making contingency schedules or, or is it more wait and see when we get started and how things might look? Yeah, I think at this time it, it sort of is more of a wait and see uh, we've been watching other conferences to see what some of their plans are and, and seeing if we can incorporate any of those ideas into uh, possible schedules. You know, I've been playing around with other ideas in case we do need to uh, delay or shorten any conference schedules in the near future. But like everyone else, we're just waiting to see what you know, states and universities and the NCAA decides about competition for this fall. Now, Dave, you started in the WAC, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, 1995. Tell us about your your road to the WAC. How did you get there? 
Oh boy, you know, I actually started out as a physics major at the University of Michigan. Uh, <laughs> but once my, you know, the first game at the Big House, my freshman year, and uh, we, we beat Notre Dame, and I, I think at that point I was like, uh, I'm, this is more exciting. So, you know, began that transition into into sports and. You know, I was also in the marching band and pet band and got to go to the Rose Bowl and the uh, national championship, the Final Four in Seattle when uh, Michigan won the national championship that year and uh, just got me more involved in, in athletics. And so the next year I got a, a work-study job in the sports information office um, at, at Michigan and, and uh, you know, got got to – Tried that out for a year and then graduated and decided to head back to uh, my home state here in Colorado and, and went to grad school at Colorado State University and worked in the sports information office there under uh, Gary Ozello. I uh, worked there for five years and, uh, you know, the Colorado State at that time was a um, member of the WAC. Sure. And, uh, I went to the WAC basketball tournament every year when I was at Colorado State, so I got to know the sports information staff there and and Jeff Hurd at the time, and right. uh, you know, got an assistant SID job when one opened up uh, due to the WAC going from 10 teams to 16 in the mid-90s. So that's kind of how I got started and made it here. It's pretty amazing when you look at our office that media relations, you mentioned Jeff was in media relations at one point, Ron Lockery was in media relations at one point, Hope Schuler, Marlon Edge, uh, myself, I mean, we, we've all... Uh, uh, been in media relations, which I think probably is what drew us to these positions anyway, because it's a love of sports and and a love of keeping records and stat keeping and those kind of things, and that lends itself right to that. At what point, Dave, did you decide or or did you kind of matriculate your way into your current role with the WAC branching out of media relations? Well, yeah, when I got to the WAC, it began as the football and softball SID and uh, picked up men's basketball, baseball, swimming and diving, golf. Um, but then after the last major realignment period uh, with the WAC where we lost football, uh, I took that opportunity, transitioned over to uh, my current duties, sport administration, championships, uh, scheduling, uh, and then technology. I've been uh, dealing with the IT in the office uh, for the last 25 years just because nobody else knew how to do anything. So sort of got handed to me. So, uh, But that's, yeah, it was just um, that, that change uh, when, when we lost football that thought this would be a good opportunity to try out some other stuff, some other duties. Well, Dave, we're very grateful for those uh, duties that, that you do have. And uh, in those 25 years, you mentioned that there's uh, some big transitions for the WAC during that time. What, Obviously, when, when the conference lost football, that was a big transition. But uh, even before then, there, there was other uh, big happenings over the past 25 years. What, what are some of the biggest things you've seen? Well, conference realignment has been the biggest thing I've had to deal with. Um, the WAC it, you know, has gone through several changes since '95. Um, we had added Fresno State a couple of years uh, before then to go to a 10-team conference. And uh, a year after I started working, we added six teams to become the first 16-team conference. Uh, you know, we were so big back then, we actually had uh, four pods of four teams that we had to rotate into divisions each year so teams would be able to play each other over a, a two-year period. Uh, but after that, you know, we had four, I think four to five other periods where we lost and added teams. Um, I actually looked this up. You know, there, I've 
there's been 36 full members in the wow. last over the 25 years I've been here. Uh, the only two I didn't see or was a part of were Arizona and Arizona State, who left in the late 70s. So, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of changes. And you've also been able to go to a lot of big events, big games. Uh, I, I know the, uh, I believe the Fiesta Bowl was was one of them, and you've been to NCAA tournaments and. Bryce Drew, the new uh, men's basketball coach at Grand Canyon, you were there for his big shot. Yeah, so back in, uh, it was 97, uh, TCU was the five seed, and they were a member of the WAC. We actually had four teams playing in the tournament that year. Uh, I think that was the year Utah lost in the national championship game to Kentucky, but uh, TCU was preparing to play number 12 Florida State uh, in the first round in Oklahoma City, and uh, the winner of that game would play the winner of the game before, which was number 13 Valpo against number 5 Ole Miss. Uh, so with a couple couple of seconds left, and, you know, Bryce Drew hit that famous game-winning shot for the upset, and I remember I was rooting for Valpo since the winner of that game would play the winner of our game, uh, but unfortunately TCU ended up losing to Florida State uh, in in our first round game, and Valpo went on to to beat Florida State. Didn't go to the Sweet 16 that year, so uh, yeah, I was in the arena when when uh, when Bryce hit that shot. So look forward to meeting him uh, in person here and. Uh, talking to him about that. And what what were some other uh, big-time events uh, as you uh, look back on your career here, Dave, as far as obviously that's a big one, but uh, uh, bowl games, you mentioned national championships. Uh, If you had to put one on top of the uh, podium, what would you say? Well, it's it's definitely that 2007 Fiesta Bowl uh, when we had football and Boise State had that undefeated season and we're playing Oklahoma in that game. I mean, that 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 game was unbelievable. I still think it's probably one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen in person. You know, there at one point Boise State, uh, they were actually up 28-10, um, in, in I think it was the third quarter against Oklahoma, who had Adrian Peterson at that time. Oh wow! Uh, but the, the Sooners, I think, scored 25 straight points, took a seven-point lead with one minute left. Um, but the Broncos went down and had that uh, famous hook and ladder play on fourth down, uh, scored the 35-yard touchdown to tie that game up. Uh, then overtime occurred, and again, Adrian Peterson, first play, goes 25 yards for a touchdown, so we're all disappointed again, but then Boise State comes back, and on a, I think it was another fourth down play, uh, you know, used a, another trick play where the receiver threw a touchdown pass to the tight end, and uh, then they had a chance to tie it up, but, you know, did the Statue of Liberty play with Ian Johnson That's right. uh, for the win? Uh, Ian Johnson then, then asked his cheerleader girlfriend to marry him in the post-game <laughs> interview. I mean, I just I always say Hollywood couldn't have written one as, as that anybody would believe. Well, hey, Dave, want to thank you for taking some time out here. Uh, again, we appreciate all, all that you do. Uh, want you to stay happy and, and safe, and, and hopefully we'll see you in the office before too long. Yeah, sounds good, Eric. Appreciate you having me on, and same to you. Stay safe. All right, that is Dave Chavin. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Jason Booth, Dixie State University Director of Athletics. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. We're now joined by the Director of Athletics from Dixie State University. His name is Dr. Jason Booth. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. 
Hey, Jason, uh, we're excited to have you. You, you announced uh, back on January 11th of 2019 that Dixie State was going to be transitioning to Division One and to the Western Athletic Conference. So you've had a little lead time there. How, how has it been the last year and a half uh, getting ready for this transition? It's been great. I mean, yeah, a lot of fun. Just, um, you know, I, I'll say pre-COVID, um, lots of fun and yeah. excitement and, and getting ready and having all some, some great plans and, and um, forecasting and everyone is excited. And then of course the pandemic sets in and that changes kind of quite a bit. Um, but we're still excited, you know, and it, it, um, it has kind of provided a silver lining to all this for us is that we have that to, um, you know, get excited for and continue to be excited for, I should say, and uh, work towards that and look forward to that in the fall, just something new and different. Uh, uh, now, financially, behind the curtain, um, it's a little bit more stressful for me. Right. Just trying to put all the pieces together. But um, we're going to be fine. Um, we, we, we've got lots of contingencies and lots of plans, and we'll just be ready for whatever gets thrown our way. But it's been fun. I mean, the, the, the department is fired up. We've got great coaches already. The student athletes you know, that are here are fantastic, and they're, they're fired up and excited. Um, it's just unfortunate that the – pandemic came in and put a little bit of a, you know, of a damper on our final D2 year in, com- in, in competition there at the end. But, um, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And so they've, they've adjusted to it very well and are excited for what's coming in the fall. At Dixie State University's in St. George, Utah. And, and you do have some built-in rivalries around the WAC, Jason, with Grand Canyon, California Baptist, where former conference foes in Division II, yep. Utah Valley, uh, back in the JUCO days, uh, were a big rival of Dixie State. Was this part of what made the, the move to the WAC in Division One more attractive? Oh, very much so, yes. Um, we are the... Um... Uh, we're the only outside of Westminster. Um, we're the only school in the Utah state system um, uh, of state institutions um, that were not uh, Division One, uh, right. excluding the the junior colleges. So uh, you know, a lot of the focus and a lot of the attention and whatnot um, is on those schools that are Division One because they get all the attention and, and whatnot. So um, even even not just athletically, just um, recruiting for general students. So um, we felt we had just as good of a product um, uh, educationally and academically as those um, schools. So we wanted to be on the same level for with them um, and get re- remove that paradigm from people's mindsets. But um, when it really came down to it, one of the biggest pieces was those rivalries. So um, people don't um, really we've only been in Division Two uh, 14 years. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really had that time to build up the rivalries and, and we. Um, to the level of a of a Utah BYU, you know, a, a Weber State, Southern Utah, uh, that have been playing for you know tens, twenty, you know, thirty years. Um, so we have great rivalries in Division Two. Um, it's just they're just not as well known, so people aren't really gravitating to that. And now, being within uh, being Division One within the state of Utah, those natural rivalries are just ignited immediately. Um, Former rival with Utah Valley. Um, you know, being back when we were both junior colleges back in the day. And of course, um, our friends just right up the street um, <laughs> in Southern at Southern Utah. Um, they've all been great to work with and have really helped us with, um, you know, non-conference scheduling. They're, they're more than um, willing to work with us and even come here, um, you know, in the first year in some sports to play us here in St. George. So uh, it's been really refreshing and, and 
great to um, great to see. But we'll have immediate rivalries that even in our time in Division Two, we would we we had great rivals, but people just didn't know about it. Maybe they didn't know who um, necessarily Cal- California Baptist was. They do now, um, and especially now that Cal- California Baptist made the jump to Division One. Initially, they didn't know who they were. They're going to know who Utah Valley is and Utah State and you know uh, New Mexico State and everyone else in the WAC. They know who they are from day one. So that's just how our, our fan base is and, and, and how, how the St. George area is. So we're, we're, it was a big piece of it. Um, certainly, we, we wouldn't have made the decision solely on that, um, but it was a, a, a big piece of the consideration for sure. Talking with Dr. Jason Booth at Dixie State University, and as you mentioned, Jason, you're, there's seven Division One schools in Utah, joining Utah, BYU, Utah Valley, Utah State, Weber State, Southern Utah, and, and you did mention this does help you with your non-conference scheduling. How, how far down the road have you gotten with those non-conference schedules in playing some of these in-state teams? Um, quite a ways and, and so, and so many sports that they only go like one year out, you know, so basketball is really just, you know, we're just finalizing this upcoming year schedule. And of course, you know, with the pandemic and those changes, a lot of that is, um, in flux, um, and, and changing probably a lot later than it normally would. But those it's, it's funny how the sports are so different. We've got baseball, we've got non-conference scheduling out three or four years, but in basketball, it's basically just year to year. Um, maybe maybe a two-year deal of a home and home something like that but um, on the football side of things you know we're gonna we have football obviously not a whack sport but as an independent we're I've got games scheduled out as far as 2030 so (laughs) um, and of course we're gonna be all non-conference as an independent so it's uh, we have a lot more flexibility with that but um, you know it goes out so far in in, in football that you have to do to get some of those um, bigger bigger opponents uh, with those, with the guarantees to, you have to go that far out to get commit commitments. So, um, but in, in the basketballs and the baseballs and softballs, you know, we're three and four years out um, at the most. Um, but specifically like with basketball, it's just this upcoming year um, and not too much beyond that. Now we're talking with uh, Jason Booth. I've had a chance to visit St. St. George, Utah several times. It's a beautiful part of the country, a resort town, uh, not too far away from Las Vegas, if that's your thing, about two hours away. Southern Utah, uh, different weather than people might think of when they think of Utah. What What is the area like, uh, Jason, and, and what are your facilities like? Well, the area is amazing. I mean, we've uh, we moved here from Maryland in 2010 for the job. Um, didn't know a soul in St. George, um, and we have not even wanted to go anywhere else because of what St. George offers. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, our, our climate is very close to Las Vegas. Um, it's not the mountainous climate that you might think of when you think of Utah. Um, we're a complete, uh, complete, um, opposite of what you find when you go to Utah Valley. Um, we're a high desert, uh, climate. So in fact, later this week, the forecast, uh, I think on, uh, Friday are going to be 105. Right. Uh, so it, it's warm. Uh, in the summer, it gets really warm, and so in the early part of the fall seasons, it's it's still quite warm. Um, so, uh, but it's it you know it's coming from the east coast. It's a dry heat, so you know it's it's a lot more tolerable. It's still hot, but um, it, we don't have the humidity that that comes with it that that makes that unbearable in other parts of the country. So it's tolerable, um, but beyond the the, the climate. 
um, there's so much to do. We've got Zion National Park, which is 30 minutes away. Right. Um, the north rim of the Grand Canyon is two hours away. We have Lake Powell, two hours away. Bryce Canyon uh, National Park, two hours away. Just so close, all within a day's drive, that um, our local um, convention and visitors bureau, for lack of a better term, is, is Greater Zion, what, they, what it's called. They, they market not just Zion National Park, but the entire area, because there's so much to do. There's Snow Canyon State Park. There's hundreds of miles of mountain bike trails it's we're, we're like the next you know moab is so famous for their mountain biking we're we're like we're right below that as far as um awareness but the, the trails are just as good um and so there's so much to do here that we've actually partnered with greater zion um and they they wanted to they put their name on our football stadium soccer stadium track facility uh it's greater zion stadium because they want to help get the word out to folks coming in um, to watch games, whether they be, you know, non-conference fans or fans from the WAC specific, specifically to come and experience St. George and don't just come for the game, come and stay an extra day or two and, and experience everything that's around here. Um, because it's quite unique. Um, for, um, a lot of places don't have that, uh, those resources so close, um, so much to do. So come for the game, but stay for, you know, a vacation, um, kind of, kind of approach. So, that's why we love living here and why we, uh, I think it's, it, it really, it's really helpful for the school to recruit students here, for our athletic teams, athletic teams to recruit student athletes here. Um, it's, just, it's such a great place to live. Um, great climate, great uh, things to do um, outside of, of going to school when you need some downtime. So uh, it's a wonderful place and we look forward to hosting any and all fans that, that come and hopefully they enjoy it just as much as we do. Yeah, there's a few golf courses in that area too, isn't there? Yeah, there's nine. <laughs> nine golf courses in there. They're phenomenal. Um, one of them, uh, Entrada, is a, is a private country club, but it's um, if any of anyone out there listening is familiar with High School Musical, that's where that was filmed. So and get an idea. Zach Efron. Yes. Oh, and yes. I have a teenage daughter, so of course I know that one. Oh, it's big time. Yeah, I've got twin girls that were <laughs> so thrilled to be living so close to so close to that, but um, you know, the, the scenery is unbelievable. If you just take a look, one little scene of that movie, um, uh, the golf course there, that's that's what we look like here. I mean, just red rocks and just beautiful vistas and, and scenery here is amazing. But that's just the one private course. And then there's nine uh, courses on top of that that you can play, you know, that are just as scenic and beautiful and challenging and um, just very memorable to play with some, uh, some very – interesting holes that that use the landscape uh, quite neat quite very very neat uh, setup to um, make it a challenge now i don't need much of a challenge in my golf game to make it a challenge and put me on a mini <laughs> mini mini golf course and it's challenging but um it's still fun to go out and, and play and, and and experience that the outdoors with like the settings that we have now the facilities at dixie state university a much more division one than, than people would think yeah. since you were junior college and division two. I saw you got a new uh, basketball court uh, going yep. in and also uh, some, some announcements uh, with your, your football stadium and, and some of those facilities. Yeah. Well, our, our facilities have great pride in them. Um, not that they're, you know, the best in the country by any means, but um, they are much more in, um, in line with, with a division one program than people may have thought. Um, you know, as a division two. And it's what I thought when I came out here for the first time, you know, when I was interviewing for the job um, was not, didn't know really what to expect and was just blown away by the facilities. I mean, our, our basketball arena specifically is uh, seats 5,000, uh, all individual seats. 
um, with chair backs, you know, it's not, um, you know, benches or anything like that. They're all individual seats. And um, it has, um, we, we're putting in a brand new video board here this summer. It's going in in July, a four-sided center hung video board, redoing the floor right now. Um, we, ha- we had to do it for the, the three point line. Um, and, we, and we're going to get the WAC logo put down, which we're excited about, but redoing that, um, uh, the football, soccer, track, stadium. Um, again, I mentioned earlier that we, we renamed it to the Greater Zion Stadium, but as part of that, we're going to finishing our, our, our third and final phase of renovations to that facility with a, uh, a brand new two-level press box and redoing all the, all the restrooms and ticketing and merchandise space as well as the football locker room on the ground level, um, which is, you know, is the final phase um, of the renovations to that stadium, which we've already done. Um, I think it's about three years ago now, the, the new, a new field and a new, new track, and then a whole new side of the stadium where we added 5,000 seats with visiting locker rooms and um, storage and a different ticketing and a lot more restrooms for the fans. So we uh, have really improved that, that facility. And that was before we even had any Division I you know, aspirations or, or, or questions or, or plans. We did all that. So facilities are in, are in great shape. Um, we, we've um, the baseball facility holds over 2000, um, and it's a beautiful field, uh, softball facility is not the best as far as, uh, spectator seating right now, but we have, we received a, a million dollar donation to renovate that facility in which we're, that is in the works of getting that designed and raising more money to finish that off. But that, when we do it, like we have it, um, kind of conceptually designed right now, it'll be the best facility uh, it'll, it'll rival almost any in, in the country, uh, softball wise, uh, it's going to be phenomenal. So we're very proud of our facilities and, um, um, looking forward to showcasing them, um, at the next level. Yeah. I know Bruce Hurst stadium for, for baseball, yep. for uh, major league baseball fans from the eighties uh, and nineties, like myself might remember him as the, oh, yeah. as a former MLB pitcher. And I know Lionel Hollins is also a, uh, a grad from uh, Dixie State and was there for your announcement to, to Division One, a longtime NBA uh, basketball player and also a former head coach in the NBA. So uh, yeah. you also have some some alumni that uh, have some big names there. Yep. Yeah. And funny fun fact about uh, Bruce Hurst is uh, his name's on our baseball field. Um, and obviously, he you know, incredible success, um, uh, the pro level playing baseball, but he never played baseball here. Uh, is that he right? Right. Yeah, he, he was drafted out of Dixie High School um, here in town um, uh, to to play baseball. So in the off season, um, he came here. We were still junior college, so he came here and went to school in the off season, but played basketball. Wow. So he he's he's in our Hall of Fame um, for <laughs> for many reasons, but as a student athlete here, he was a basketball player. Never played baseball because he was professional. Um, so kind of interesting. Yeah, and. and <laughs> Lionel Hollins, um, you know, played obviously played basketball here, and then went on to Arizona State and just got on to some great things. And it's funny, I was watching a, a replay of the 1980, it was the 80 NBA Finals that, uh, or, or yeah, I think it was 80 when the Lakers beat the, the 76ers, and 76ers had Lionel Hollins and Dr. J and uh, some other players. Yeah, when, when Magic was a rookie, Magic played center, right? That, Magic's that? rookie year. Yeah. yeah, Kareem Kareem was was out for that final game, that, that game six, I think it was, and the Lakers won it. But it was just, Lionel Hollins was playing, um, so it's just fun to see that. But yeah, uh, those are probably our two most prominent um, uh, names uh, that have, have come through here. Corey Dillon played football here as right. well. 
Um, so some um, pretty good, uh, pretty good alumni that have come through here. Keon Clark played basketball here. Um, Marcus Banks as well played in the NBA for a little bit, but um, good, good history of, uh, of very successful teams at the junior college level. Um, and then athletes that have gone on to play professionally from that level. Um, not as much notoriety um, of athletes moving on from as a division two, which you would expect. Um, but um, still quite a few that have gone on to play professionally, not necessarily at the top levels. Um, and our teams have been just as successful, not winning national championships. Cause again, D2 to from JC to D2, a little bit of a difference <laughs> in competition, but uh, we've been very proud of our success uh, at D2 uh, as well. So um, we, we, we're proud of our past, and we're ready to uh, build on that an exciting future in Division One. Yeah, Jason, what kind of expectations do you have for Dixie State in the WAC this upcoming year? Uh, any schools you're looking to as models? Obviously, we mentioned California Baptist Grand Canyon were former mm-hmm. uh, Division Two foes and have had a lot of success in the WAC. Or, or do you look at anything yep. they've done that, that you can model? Well, I would love to um, be able to look at California Baptist and Grand Canyon as models to follow because they've done very, very well. There's one thing that we're lacking just a tad compared to them, and that's money. <laughs> um, they're they're in a different they're in a different ballpark when it comes to that. They're they're just a different setup, you know, just different types of institutions. So um, our expectations are a little bit more guarded and more limited um, compared to that. But I think we're going to be very competitive. Um, I think we'll, we'll surprise a lot of people. Art. We have very good coaches, and um, they know how to get it done. Um, we, we've done it from transitioning from JC to Division Two. There really wasn't a drop-off. Um, now, I'm not to say that yeah, that we're going to experience – we're not going to experience a drop-off in Division One. We certainly will. Uh, competition is just completely different at that level. We know, we know that. Um, but I think we'll surprise some people, and, and we'll uh, and, uh, be very competitive and be, you know, right in you know in the mix uh for the whack championships not say we're going to win any um necessarily in the first few years but um uh, we're not going to just lay down either i think we'll we'll have very competitive teams and um give some people a little bit of run for their money if if not you know beat them um on a regular basis so we'll see uh it depends on the sports too you know we have several sports that we think we're going to be stronger out of the gates than others um but um I think we'll have a good, solid program that uh, we'll be proud of. Now, the WAC Board of Directors recently decided to allow transitioning schools to compete in the WAC basketball tournaments after two years. So that means CBU would be eligible for the WAC basketball tournament starting this upcoming season. How, how does that uh, decision impact Dixie State? Instead of having to wait four years now, uh, you have to wait the two-year period. Oh, it's great. It's huge. Um, you know, we, we didn't uh, make the decision to um, accept the, the invitation and make the jump to Division One, based on some notion that we think we're going to try and get into the WAC tournament early. You know, we had no idea that that was even an option, and and then it came up, and you know, obviously we we're going to argue for it, but it wasn't going to make or break us. Um, but now that it's here, it's exciting. You know, it's it's great to now be able to tell our uh, recruits that have uh, now committed to us um, that hey, it's only going to be a two-year thing, and, and you're going to be able to at least compete in the WAC basketball tournament in, you know, in year three, um, in, in those sports. Um, and so it's, it's awesome. We, we, we love it. We're excited. Um, we would have been, you know, accepting and been fine if we, if it didn't pass, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a, a deal breaker by any means for us, but, um, it's certainly positive and, um, um, be interesting to, um, you know, 
hopefully qualify for it in, in our third year and see what happens and see if we can make some noise and, um, you know, come in and, and win some games. But, um, we'll see, we've got a long way to go to get there, but, um, it'll be, we'll be watching to see how California Baptist does. And obviously they have had a, a very good program. Um, you know, they've, they've done very well with the transition. However, in their final year of division two, they hosted the PAC West conference championships and we faced them in the championship game. Um, and I think we got down 17 or 19 to two or something like that and came back and won, um, beat them on their floor for the final PAC West, uh, their, their final division two, uh, regular, well, I, they went into the NSA tournament that year, but their final home game, um, as a division two, we, we beat them on their floor. So that was pretty cool, but it just, it, it just shows, and I won't, I have never let Michael let, let, let that down either. Um, but uh, it was a neat, it was a great game, great environment, great atmosphere. But uh, it, it just shows that our, our programs were pretty close at that time. And so obviously they've had two years of transitioning to Division One, different recruiting and whatnot. And so we hope to follow that same track. But um, if we can, if we can, I believe we'll be very competitive and see what happens in the, in the, in the tournament in uh, a couple of years when we're eligible. Talking with Dr. Jason Booth from Dixie State University. Yeah, CBU finished second in men's basketball in the regular season this past year. Uh, they they also were co-champions in, in baseball the year before. And, and women's basketball, they've had success. Soccer. So, yeah, across the board, they've been very good. They won our cross-country championships uh, first two years in the league as well. And actually had a perfect score yep. on the women's side. So, unbelievable <laughs> yeah. success uh, coming from D2 to D1. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a great program. Um, we're proud to be associated with them and, you know, in Grand Canyon and all the other programs in the WAC. They're very good schools, very good athletic programs, and it's it's an honor to be a part of it. Now, Jason, you're, uh, I, I think you're you're uh, talking to us from home. Um, obviously, during the yeah. pandemic here, uh, offices have been uh, turned upside down a little bit. Uh, so how is it uh, for you, uh, especially gearing up for this move to Division One? How is it communicating with coaches and staff during the lockdown? Are you doing a lot of Zoom phone calls? What, what's your uh, oh, modus yeah. operandi there? I just wish I'd have bought stock in Zoom about four <laughs> months ago. Be, wouldn't have to work anymore. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of Zooms, um, phone calls, really. You know, to in, individual coaches, just checking in, making sure you know, see how they're doing. Um, just you know, making sure we're still staying engaged with them, uh, making sure that that when you know when we were in in school, making sure that they were staying engaged even more so than they normally would be with their student athletes, because um, they they couldn't do anything with them, you know, athletically, but making sure they're they were talking to them about academics and you know make sure that that was being um they weren't losing that um that that impact with them um so it, it's been a little bit of a challenge but uh, hey it, it took maybe a week of adjustment and people were were in the groove and and getting getting used to it and getting it done but um we we are going to be opening back up uh, campus uh, even to non-essential starting next week. So in early June, uh, June first, uh, we'll be starting back. So we'll be back in the office. You know, uh, for those that um, uh, that aren't that, that want to be there, um, there if you feel vulnerable or you have a you know potentially a vulnerable person in your household, someone like that, you don't have to come back. You can still work remotely. So it'll be a little bit of a skeleton crew, but we'll start to see a lot more activity on campus and people coming back starting next week and. Hopefully it stays that way for a while and we can get back to some sort of normal. But certainly it's been challenging. Um, 
but uh, we've been able to get stuff done and, um, and probably quite honestly, the, the, what the big thing we were working on prior to the, you know, that we had to do, you know, right after the uh, pandemic hit was on our schedule was getting the, the division one application and all that submitted, which was a big task, but I was able to do that probably a lot faster and a lot more seamlessly at home than I would have been able to at work with a lot of other things. I mean, I didn't have any games or travel or anything right. to worry about. So I was able to get that done and it's been submitted for almost a month now and it's not due until June 1st. So that, that got done a lot faster than it probably would have normally, but you know, the uh, impact of some other things, who knows what we would have, that we're missing that we would have maybe experienced by being face to face. So but we'll make up for it and get back into on the campus next week and um, see what happens. Hopefully, it, again, like I say, hopefully it, it stays that way for a while. And Dixie State will become an official member of the Western Athletic Conference on July 1st. Uh, Jason, we had Hope Shuler on our show a few weeks ago. I call her the Kevin Bacon of college sports because <laughs> you, you talk to anybody and, and it only takes a couple of people to get to, to Hope Shuler, you know, like, like the whole oh, Kevin yeah. Bacon game. Now, I understand you and Hope actually worked together in the late 90s for a team called the Colorado Explosion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good times. Hope is a very dear friend of mine. Um, in fact, I was uh, joking with her when we had our, our WAC meetings a couple weeks ago. I said, we should put out a, a trivia question to the group to say, which two of these, which <laughs> which two people on this call, one of them attended the other's wedding? <laughs> Just to see if, <laughs> if anyone knew that. But Hope and another friend of ours, um, flew out to Pennsylvania for our wedding um, in uh, 20 years ago this year. Wow. So um, Hope is, again, a very a long time dear friend of of mine, um, and uh, she is amazing. Um, I'm thrilled to work with her again um, in the, in this capacity. It's been too long, but um, she she's one of a kind. Um, but, yeah, we, we worked at the Explosion. I, I started there and um, right out of grad school from Florida State in uh, June of 95. And um, oh, I, I don't remember the exact date. She'll, she'll know exactly what years. I think it was that that after that first season we had, she came on board as an intern that next summer, so 96. And then she finished up, um, as we joke with her, um, that she went to Kearney State, <laughs> not Nebraska <laughs> Kearney, um, that uh, – uh, she finished up there at Kearney and then came back and we had a, a full a full-time position open and we there was no no doubt that who we don't even think we interviewed anybody else she was the only one that we we wanted so hope then started with us full-time there for the last I think it was the last two seasons um, or one and a half seasons because the whole franchise the whole uh, league lasted two and a half seasons um, so I believe she was with us for the um, 97 and 98 season if i'm not mistaken um so uh so excuse me it was i, I misspoke i it was june of 96 that i started with the um with the uh with the explosion out of grad school see that's that's how old i am getting old <laughs> losing losing track of my, my years so uh came out of at florida state in june of 96 so then yeah hope would have been with us for 97 and 90 and the, the partial 98 season but Loved working with her, and and it's it's been so awesome and refreshing to to reconnect with her and work with her much closer than um, I ever have um, after after the the late nineties. And then you also worked for the Colorado Rockies and their ticketing department, which 
I also yep. worked for the Colorado Rockies in their ticketing department for a very short time. Uh, it was their first, you know, like 92, 93, somewhere in there. Oh, cool. What, what, yeah. what, at what point were you working for the Rockies? Well, I, um, the, the, again, back to the explosion real quick. We were like six of us total running the whole uh, franchise, and one of them was Emily Little, who uh, oversaw all of our ticketing. And she worked part-time on game days um, with the Rockies, um, just working in the, at the ticket windows, you know, doing roll call or selling tickets. Um, and so she helped get me in the door there to get one of those part-time jobs just for something to do. I mean, the summers we were slow, right? Um, a little bit extra money, sure. To, um, but I would work. I worked part-time for the Rockies for the. Oh, it would have been the the summer of um, maybe a little bit of '96 actually, but more more so more so the summer of '97 uh, that that season, and then. Um, as uh, we came into the fall of 98, uh, and, and I guess the, the, the 98 season as well, but after that, the conclusion of the 98 season, um, there was a, a full-time position opened in, in within the ticketing department, but it was up in the, the private suites um, area and uh, suite services. And since I was part-time, I was considered internal. Um, and the Rockies, such a great organization. I loved working for them. Um they, they hired from within first, um, at least they did at the time. And so if, if they have great you know, candidates, they always interview them internally first. Um, and if there's a fit, then they go for it. If not, then they you know, move externally. But um, I applied as an internal candidate and got the job uh, within Sweet Services. Um, so I left the, the explosion and um, uh, came over full time for the Rockies in, in November of 98. Um, and, and worked there for that uh, the '99 season, um, and then left for for Navy in um, the end of February of 2000. So one actual summer baseball season. It was it was a, they're a great organization, great people, um, very well run. And a testament to that is when my wife and I took my my wife at the, um, was my fiance at the time. She also worked for the Rockies up with. Um, up in the community relations area. Um, but we took our, our kids back you know, to Coors Field for the first Rockies game they'd been to and got a, you know, uh, met up with some um, folks that we worked with, Irma Castaneda, uh, met up with us, and she brought us back into the offices. And so many of the people that, I, that we worked with are still there. Wow. Uh, Jill Campbell, uh, you know, Sue Ann McLaren, just, they're all still there. And this is 20 years later. So it's just a testament, and even in pro sports, that's that's rare um, that that you get that. So it's um, just a testament to that organization and, and how well run it is, and how uh, what a good place it is to work. So it was neat to go back and, and, and see that and show the kids our the opening day all staff picture and see how um, I haven't changed at all since <laughs> 1999. Neither um, have I. Of course. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Uh, kids almost didn't recognize me, but um, yeah, it was fun. Um, great organization. I've been a big Rockies fan ever since. So. Well, hey, Jason, want to thank you for taking some time out and, and talking with us and want to wish you the best of luck for the upcoming year and, and hopefully everybody at uh, Dixie State University stays happy and healthy and safe. Thanks, Eric. Hope the same for you and everyone with the WAC. We're looking forward to it. Alright, that is Dr. Jason Booth from Dixie State University. We also had Dave Chaffin from The WAC and Rachel Vigil. And we want to thank you for listening to The WAC Podcast.
Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.